in five, four, three, two, one. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Moon Tea Podcast. <laughs> Today we have Chom Jung, the man himself. I'm honored, I'm honored to be on my first ever podcast Dude. of my life. <laughs> uh, so for context, Chom has been a close friend for over a decade now. Um, we we are friends uh, through church, and we went to uh, high schools that were right next to each other. Chom was the bassist, and I was the drummer. Uh, uh. <laughs> a very, a very wise and level-headed man, who uh, has has always been uh, worthy of 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 respect. <laughs> <laughs> very, very uh, kind words. Yeah, but not worthy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tom, Tom is uh, either on track or is uh, on, on track to be a psychiatrist. Um, he got into his top choice residency at, uh, at uh, Fresno for uh, UCSF, like a branch out there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he has, he'll be graduating, I think in like a month or something. And he has some time to to chill before oh. before he's on the doctor grind so yeah well, so you decided already... to come on a podcast <laughs> <laughs> well, technically i've already graduated so i'm pretty much done yeah, uh, nice. so i'm here <laughs> hanging out with this guy who's uh graciously <laughs> hosted me for the past well like four days five days dude it's yeah. been a lot of fun yeah and the uh, fun fact i have uh, a ring in my ears on my right side on this year because when we used to play together <laughs> he was exactly right here as he played the drums the cymbal was right here <laughs> and he would just bang <laughs> and to this day from time to time like randomly i would get a high-pitched noise in my right ear lasting about five seconds so something to remember <laughs> <laughs> i want it to be memorable Trump. <laughs> yeah. cool. lifelong lasting impact there we oh. go <laughs> that's one lifelong, lifelong mark <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Good, yeah. uh and i don't think chan has listened to a full episode of no. Moon Tea podcast but for context he was a friend that uh, i met in san francisco mm-hmm. and uh he 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 leads design at his company he's the first oh. uh, design oh. director wow and lives in arizona um and yeah where, yeah. do you, where do you live in Arizona? I'm in Gilbert. Gilbert. It's near Tempe. Yeah, Chandler. Yeah, I was I was there for a month for a rotation I did. No Psychiatry way. rotation. It was um I was in Mesa. I love it. Yeah, it's right next door. It's where I was born. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Okay. I was there in August and it was just the hottest I've ever the hottest temperature I've ever experienced. Oh, wow. oh. Yeah, it gets pretty warm here. Not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they say uh, the Central Valley, you know, where, where I'm going to do anything residency, like Fresno. I've stayed in Bakersfield for a few months, too. Like, actually, the majority of the time I stayed in Bakersfield. But in California, that's known to be the hot area. And then once I went to Phoenix, I'm like, this is, <laughs> this is tall. This is good, good weather after being in Phoenix for like a month. <laughs> yeah, it's not. You get used to it. They just stay inside. But you're so right. It's compared to a lot of places. Oof, no bueno. That's for sure. No bueno. Yeah, Fresno's like mid California, right? It's between LA and uh, SF. 
it's pretty much the midpoint. Yeah, three hours to the Bay, three hours to LA, hour and a half to Yosemite, two and a half hours to the beach, maybe. Amazing. Right, yes. that is. It's like a. It's a pretty. It's a pretty big city in California, fifth biggest city. I'm just putting these facts out there because no one knows. Uh, people think when I Please. tell people I live in Fresno, like they're like, "Oh, do you live next to a farm?" But <laughs> technically, I do. But it's the fifth biggest city. <laughs> Tom's like, yes, but there's other things too. <laughs> there's also there's tons, tons of people just surrounded by agriculture. That's what it is. You know. It's like Wine Valley too, right? Central California. I think so. But I just have. I mean, I mean, Napa's of course in the north, but yeah. you do have central wineries and. Yeah, I mean, I guess that weather is just suited for growing wine like it's always in like the hot kind of areas like going down to like Temecula which is like a hot part of that San Diego area keep going up to Napa which is hot too Sacramento yeah Temecula is a great place for for uh drinking wine but just a fun fact for anyone who might be listening um great well Chom I know I had some introduction but was there was there anything that I uh you wanted to like fill in any blanks or any anything you wanted our five or six listeners to know about you <laughs> <laughs> yeah it has to be more than five and six now <laughs> seven <laughs> uh i don't know not really i mean not especially it's my first real trip to new york city um and it's been a great time i saw the clear blue skies in new york for the first time today because it's been like rainy cloudy over the past few days the first day I got here, it was like somewhat okay. It was just mm-hmm. cloudy, not too cold, but afterwards it started to rain. It was chilly. So I'm glad I got to experience the good weather. You know. What's been your unfiltered experience so far of the New York culture? The, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I really enjoyed it. It's a lot of fun. Like I just, you know, I think I'm sure everyone says this, like it's so like compact and dense which is, which can be a good and bad thing, but good in the sense of um, like, you can just like go to any part of the town you want to on the train. And if you can't find a train, you just ride a city bike and go wherever you need to, or you can just walk. And it's just like so many different people walking on the street. And I think that's, um, I don't think you don't get that too much in like LA or like in SoCal, like in more suburban, I mean, obviously in more suburban areas, like you don't get that like, even if it's like a very like you're not interacting with the people on the street like you still see people you know that's i don't know i like that i like just being like seeing so many different people walking around and like different dogs like, like whatever people are doing so it's cool yeah i think uh I, so for me it's pretty important to be yeah. in like a walkable city yeah. and that's uh yeah unfortunately la i think it has like pockets of walkable areas but yeah new york city is like definitely pretty accessible and like just it's like very dense and you're able to get anywhere and everywhere yeah um yeah Chom I think I think you had a pretty good uh tour of the of the food available here too much too much food (laughs) I was telling him you could probably burn my body and like power this apartment like (laughs) from all the calories I've consumed over the past few days it's been ridiculous but no it's it's been good it's been a really good time yeah for sure that's fun. Definitely someone who's in med school thinking about <laughs> calories as energy. To, <laughs> there we go. Um, so I'm kind of curious regarding your profession. How'd you get into it? Tell me your story. What's your story? 
Oh, just I mean, just regarding medicine. I mean, so for me, I um like early on, I actually I had cancer, so that was actually like one of the, you know, before that, I mean, I, I was like ten years old, but before that, as a kid, like, it's not like I was naturally interested in the sciences or anything. Like, if anything, I was into history, but. After that moment, um, you know, just like, going in and out of the hospital so many times and just seeing what a, like how truly like impactful like a good doctor can be in their life, you know, like not only for you, but just the family, you know, of that person. Obviously that got me really interested into medicine and actually, you know, just that the whole time just getting treatment too, um, kind of opened me up to like, wow, the human body is like kind of interesting. Like there's all these like medications being given and like there's all these like chemical, like chemo, like, and so even back then, I would like look it up online. Like, what am I getting? Like on Wikipedia, back in like what, like early two thousands. Like you know, it was still all on, all on Wikipedia. So I'll like look up, look like look up everything that was happening to me, and like, oh, it was just like, really fascinating to me. It wasn't really like um, people think that like it's uh, well, it must have been such a tough time, like very like um, scary moment. And I mean, there were certainly times that were difficult, but I think I think I was young enough where like, it was kind of like, I had, you know, I had a loving family and everything. Like we were taking care of me. So it's like, oh, it's like, I'm really sick, but I never like, you know, and you see like other kids who are like really sick too, but it's kind of like, you know, I'm just kind of here, you know, like I just got to go to the hospital and then go to the hospital, you know, take these meds and like, obviously like there are aspects of it that were difficult, like health wise, and like it's like, you know, drains your body and all that as with chemo, but like it was, uh, I, I always say it was like one of the best experiences that like could have, that could have happened to me at that point, just, you know, with all that. And so that's kind of like what got me into medicine, you know, and I, from then, like even throughout high school, like um, I kind of had an idea of med school, if anything, like the healthcare field, you know, I wanted to get into healthcare field and then that's what got me into medicine, yeah. <laughs> long story short and then in the midst of med school um I think just throughout that journey of you know applying to med school getting in and like going through med school like a lot of mentors like that I had in my life like telling me to just like uh, it's it'll be like you know just like stay open to like what fields uh might like naturally attract you what you like, act, like you know uh, have an affinity to so obviously like I wanted to go into pediatric chemonk which is like childhood cancer um just after doing my rotations like I'm like I want to work with adults too you know I don't want to just work with kids as much as I like working with kids and then so I was like oh you know I'm already thinking like broader like internal medicine maybe like family medicine you know of course peds and then but once I did psychiatry um I it was it was a field that I had no intention of going into and I did it and it was just really fascinating to me. Like the first time I went into like a psychiatric unit, which are, you know, and just seeing everything that was happening there, working with the attendings and residents that I had, um, that were with me at the time, who really seemed to enjoy their work and who were really happy and like had a lot of satisfaction out of their career versus like maybe in like um, other fields like internal medicine or like surgery where like you see a lot of like really hardworking, but like overworked, maybe burnt out physicians too. And just like seeing that kind of like made me realize, oh, what do I want, you know, out of a career in medicine? Like how much like, you know, there's, there's the work, but there's also like everything outside of it too. Like where you can practice, what type of, you know, what kind of settings can you practice in? 
what's the work-life balance kind of like and all those things kind of put together like psychiatry just made sense to me so I just applied and then I'm here <laughs> long story short it wasn't like something like oh I want to I you know like I kind of said before I wanted to go into psychiatry so I'm going to do it but it just kind of like naturally fell into it and I loved all my rotations and I did the I was in Phoenix because I was doing a psychiatry rotation so I was kind of visiting like seeing what psychiatry is like in like other states and so it was yeah it's been a really good experience so far and I'm pretty excited for the next four years yeah another four years (laughs) I recall two moments of uh of uh like blissfulness in in recent history the first was when uh so for context uh chom and i used to go on hikes we used to we used to get beers at like a local (laughs) pub uh on like friday nights and i had just finished coding boot camp chom was interviewing for a medical school and we would just both go on these hikes and i would be like Oh, I just got rejected from like, I applied to like a hundred jobs and I, I got rejected from all of them. Yeah. And then Tom would, Tom would just be like, yeah, I haven't, I haven't heard back from any like med schools for interviews. And we just go on this hike and then just, just be like, you know, in like five years, you're going to be a doctor. I'm going to be like a senior engineer. <laughs> We're going to be doing all this interesting work. And then, and then we would just like come back from the hike, just, just being like, yeah, like we can, just like work through this next week um and that was i think that was a like a pretty rough time for both of us but mm-hmm. but it was like i'm so we were like kind of like going through our own thing yeah. uh and then I, I remember i remember uh chom one day like calls me he's like dude i got in and i was just <laughs> like <"Aah!" laughs> i was like so happy uh and then uh and then from there um Tom would visit LA to like see his mom. And then like, sometimes I would be in LA. Um, so I don't know, I, I would see Tom here and there. And then every like six months or so, I would get a call, I would get a call from Tom. He's like, oh, I just finished rotation. I'm like moving right now. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he had, he had a lot on his plate. And, uh, and the, the second time I was really happy was when, was when Tom was like, dude, I got, I got my first choice residency. And I was like, dude, of course, Sean. Of course. <laughs> like, why, why would they not accept you? So, um, dude, long journey, long journey indeed. You know, you know, like going back to the hikes, it's like, it's the uncertainty, like there's different kinds of stress, right? Like it's the, un- I think it's like the uncertainty of things that like really get people, like at least it got me, you know, like in that transitional period, it's like, am I even going to get into med school? Like if I don't get in, like what's going to happen? Like you always think about like, if you don't get in like what happens next kind of but like I think even for you like once you get a job kind of like it's kind of like at that point it's like you know I mean there's always you know the future is always going to be uncertain but in the same time you have something and you know you're going to get experience and you're getting paid also or like okay I, I can just got to do the work now and like build from here and at least I have something you know yeah yeah for yeah, sure yeah. Uh, and I remember one particular low point when Tom and I went on a hike uh, and, and then we, we came back and my car was broken into the window was shattered. I remember that someone, someone took my gym bag and my backpack, that backpack had my, my laptop. I even left my phone in there. And so they took everything. They even took my climbing shoes. I was like, I was like, dude, it, is this even going to fit you? 
<laughs> uh, but yeah, that um, was, I remember that was like a particularly low point because like, uh, yeah, because yeah, I was like, I was like, oh man, I only have like, like, yeah, I mean, this, this sucks because I don't like, yeah, I don't have, there's not enough cash to like in my bank account to buy another laptop. Um, mm. I mean, yeah, it, it was able, like, I was able to work, work it out and yeah. everything, but mm. yeah, that was, yeah, I remember just being like, fuck, like, this, <laughs> this sucks. Didn't you have big, didn't you have some Bitcoin in it too or something? Yeah, I had. Were you able to get it, like, get it? No, no, I didn't. That was, that was a, a lesson learned, very expensive <laughs> lesson learned. Oh, man. Um, yeah, no, I remember that day. Yeah, it was, like, so random. Jeez. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't hiked there since. <laughs> I mean, it's not really, like, a hike, like, a true hike. It's more of a fire trail that, like, everyone just goes up. It's, like, a dirt road. But it's, like, close to, like, a lot of residential areas, so people go there, but, you know. Yeah, I haven't been back there since either, to be honest. Um, yeah. you guys have come so far it's amazing both of you all of us hey uh, there we yeah. go we sure have kind of like curious you were mentioning how a lot of different factors caused you to find your way to choose psychiatry one of the factors was you were intrigued or interested by the way the psychiatric wards and or units were run or set up i'm kind of curious of don't know much about them so yeah i mean you know the best way to describe it is like the feeling i had going in is like oh this is like kind of like bizarre like it's like because you walk in it's you know it's different from a regular hospital you know where people you know you have patients in the rooms and like they're in their bed for the most of the time right and so the hallways are pretty clear you know like you just go into their room you talk chat with them you do whatever you need to do and usually in the psych in the behavioral health units like uh, you know, the, the patients are free to roam, you know, the units. And so you will have, um, no matter how sick or not sick they are, like, whether it's depression, you know, whether it's like a psychotic episode with schizophrenia or like a manic episode, you'll have everybody just kind of in that one area. And so they'll be wandering around and like, you know, going to group therapy or maybe um, going to take a shower or like shave, getting food, talking to the nurses, zero people, you know. It's a it's a non it's a common scene to see patients just kind of leaning against the nurses' windows. It's like a just imagine like um behind like TSA no, not TSA but like it's like a bullet it's not a bulletproof glass but like a very like sturdy window and the all the nurses and the kind of doctors go behind it and like you know in front of it is where all the patients are and some of them are like leaning against it like talking chatting with the nurses so it's very it's a very like different environment than. What you would expect to see in a hospital and especially coming from me like i hadn't had much um you know like oh like you know like experience you know within the mental health field so like it was a completely new experience for me but it was like really uh like really fascinating and also like i think what really wanted made me want to go into it was after really just you know getting a chance to interview patients and like getting to know them and you know their treatment trajectory and how they improve or don't improve like and just learning more about this like men, the severe mental illnesses themselves like you learn how debilitating so many of these um how debilitating all the, the conditions are in psychiatry and i just personally think that it's within medicine like some of the most debilitating conditions you can have um because you can have you can have you know you can have 
you can have somebody with cancer who's very happy and who has a very enriching life, you know, who actually may even die peacefully, you know, and in the arms, you know, or surrounded by the love of their family, for example, you know. But you can have um, somebody who's maybe very successful, has tons of family and friends around them, and still be severely depressed and be suicidal. And so it's very like, wow, like this is a, something I want to learn more about and it's something I want to get into. And I just feel like it's a, it's a field that's also in just a lot in, a lot of need to, and it's um, a field where you can do a lot of good. You know? So it's, it's kind of one, as, yeah, one aspect of it. You know? Chom, do you have any, any kind of like wild stories from your time in the uh, psychiatric unit? Are, if you're allowed, I mean, allowed to share. Well, I mean, you know, I think it's after you see it a while, it's like not, I mean, the first time you see it, it's like, well, what is this? You know, it's like there's um, people like maybe someone's just laying on the floor, you know, like, so that's like a common, it's like you might, it's like pretty common you can see that. And like, and I mean, there are like, yeah, there are like, I don't, I don't want to say it's like wild or crazy or anything. It's like, they're really sick, you know, like they're, you know, they're suffering, even if they don't like, they might, it might not look like it, you know, they're all suffering deep inside and, um, even the most, you know, like people who, you know, like if you want to see, get an episode of like psychosis might be like, you just go to the New York subway, right? You'll see people like talking to themselves, like responding to things in their head and just like, you know, kind of doing maybe like, you know, what they're doing is a little disorganized, you know, like what they're doing is like kind of, un it's out of sorts, right? And you just know it. Mm -hmm. They're very unkempt, maybe hygiene wise. Um, so, I mean, that's like, you would see like most of the patients who come in, in especially in an urban setting in a psychiatric unit, it's like kind of the patient population you would see. Um, but in terms of like going back to crazy stories, I mean like it's well like a common like thing you hear is like uh like, like just like paranoid delusions, like someone believes like a government has implanted a chip in their head. It's common to for um I haven't seen this in myself, but it's like it happens that like maybe they think. The government has like someone has planted something in their body so they go and try to dig it out you know Whoa. and that can cause them to go into the emergency room and require surgery so it can be you know it can be very dangerous um maybe like um you know like people you know just like people it's just like you know not not a, not nothing like especially like boom like pops up in my mind but like you just like just the things that you you hear them say like every day it's kind of like i have you, know, you ask him, well, how much, like, you know, are you able, will you be able to support yourself if you were to leave? Because a lot of them want to leave, obviously. I'd be like, yeah, I have plenty of money in my account. And in fact, I have $10 billion in my account. And I got to go leave the unit right now because I have eight children that I need to take care of. So it's like, if you hear that for the first time, like, it would be like, wow, that's like, you know, it's kind of wild and like crazy. But it's, um, well, I mean, it's unfortunate, like, um, what can happen in diseases like schizophrenia or like you have. You know, it's kind of like what the disease is. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like it's a really interesting experience to to get to know these kinds of people. Um, can you can you talk about any just like after spending time with with people in psychiatric units? Like, I don't know. Can you can you kind of just like talk about your reflections on like this like broad idea of human condition and and like 
yeah, like how do you think about your own behavior and uh, like like how does it make you view view like people mm-hmm. uh, differently or how how like yeah how do you how do you reflect on that? I think well that's a big question, but I think a lot more people are like suffering in silence than you imagine. You think that you think I think um, like. To be honest, though, in my limited experience so far, it's been with like just uh, more of the um, just by chance in the hospitals I read, there are more like patients with like kind of the patients that I was talking about before. But every now and then you'd get um, you know some maybe somebody who attempted suicide come in, who has is still is in thought process wise is able to like have a conversation with you, um, you know, and like able to you know you're able to connect like connect with them a lot more easily. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's like, like, it's like so many things contribute to, you know, like, I think it, it starts like things like, you know, major depressive disorder and like, I mean, the end, you know, every, the thing that everyone wants to prevent is like a suicide attempt, obviously, that's like the worst case scenario. And, you know, in the beginning, maybe it starts off with, uh, I am, um, you know, issues with work, you know, issues with, you know, like, I'm not. I feel like I'm at this age and I'm not doing what I'm, you know, like where I should be at this age, you know, anxiety about that, which leads to depression. Um, issues with family, you know, maybe you have, you know, I'm just thinking about a patient that I talked with um, who had a lot, who had a gender dysphoria, right? Like he is homosexual, but like he has trouble coming out to his family because they're conservative Catholic family, you know, like struggles with that. Um, not able to be his true self, you know, not, oh, sorry, not able to share his true, like, he just can't be who he is, you know, family, like, you know, issues with friends, like work, like I already said work, like mm-hmm. I'm, you know, and also work can lead to like physical issues too. Like I'm, if I'm, if you're unloading trucks into all, I'm loading boxes into Walmart all day and you develop chronic back pain, at least nerve pain, you get depressed about that too. Like, I think like it's, there are, I don't, know, I don't think I'm answering your question directly, but it's hard to give a direct answer to that. But I think there's so many, um, you know, like life is stressful, life is suffering. What like Buddha says that, right? You know, like there are like inherently, of course, like life is, you know, it can be difficult. And I think we suffer in that context because especially when we keep for ourselves and we don't, you know, we isolate ourselves and we don't, you know, have that connection we don't have like connections outside ourselves too, whether it's with other friends, whether it's a higher power, whether it's a purpose in life. And like that, I think that you just kind of learn more and more. I mean, as you just get older, you learn about that obviously, but you see it a lot, you see it in like, you know, in psychiatry and mental health, obviously that's like a major, like uh, that's what, that's like, that is your job, you know, talking with patients about these kind of things and all that to say that I think connection is very important. And I think we've learned from the COVID pandemic, you know, over the past like two years, like what that, what isolation does, you know, like to our mental health and our own well-being. And so that was a long-winded non-answer to your question, but it's just some of the things I've learned in my very few rotations. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's it it probably just when you relate or talk with a lot of people, sometimes you don't think about it, but sometimes you like probably pick things up, especially in the New York subway. And you're like, oh, 
that does not seem healthy <laughs> or something like that. But I'm kind of curious, there's a bunch of different mediums or modalities through which people can seek mental and spiritual remedies or help. And I'm kind of curious of what your thoughts are on the differences and like, you know, there's therapeutic practices, therapy, psychiatry, then there's other less uh, mainstream ones such as life coaches or coaches or mm. others like somatic practices or the Reiki or Eastern methodology practices. Kind of curious of what is taught in schools or what you think about them. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, Number one in medical school, we aren't taught about any of those things for the most <laughs> for the most part. Med school is mostly focused on like even in psychiatry, like in the beginning, like it's they were very medication focused, like psychopharmacology, like which is like you know makes sense because we're just starting out. Like we have our training to um, you know, that's what our residency training is kind of for to learn more like about psychotherapy and kind of beyond, you know, the overall learning more about you know our role in the larger mental health field. And I think maybe it's also a good time to say uh, I'm not a licensed medical professional. <laughs> I haven't even started training. Uh, I just uh, barely graduated. Um, so don't take anything that is discussed in this in this podcast as medical <laughs> advice. Please seek a professional help. Um, but in regards to, you know, like any, I think, you know, you mentioned things like Reiki, like the alternative like therapies that we kind of refer to, um, talk about there. I like, well, number one, like, let's talk about therapy and psychi like psychiatry first. Um, in any, I think, in, yeah, in any mental health condition, like therapy, I believe should be like a component of your treatment path. Um, because so much of like mental health, you have to be able, to, a lot of it's like relating to our thought processes, our emotions and our inability to process emotions. Maybe there's, you know, trauma in your life or you know, you're, it's something, you know, something tr like a traumatic event happened, you're not able to process it. And that trauma is manifesting in your life in ways, maybe like you wouldn't expect, you know, in your relationships, your health, your own health, and that sort. Um, and so therapy, like in all studies, even in psychiatry, like the medication plus therapy is always the best approach. The data shows that. Um, so like, yeah, like, the way I see like medications is it is like, you know, depending on who you talk to in like the early, you talk to like, you know, in the early nineties, like there was like this big, big expansion of um, like neuroscience and like studies of the brain. And like, we thought maybe we can pinpoint like the neurological biological basis of like things like depression and we can like find the pill to solve it. Right. But obviously I mean, like the things like depression, it's such a complex topic. Our brain is such a complex top like thing. It's arguably the final frontier of like medicine and like science, because you don't know anything about it to this day. Um, and so like in the context, like with medications, like it's obviously like if maybe like, because I'm kind of like going all over the place, but depressed mood is like, uh, going back to depression, depressed mood is like, it is, it's a normal, emotion you feel you know depression is like when we talk about major depressive disorder it's like changes in your sleep maybe like you don't you have like hobbies and you don't want to do them anymore you know you have like slowness in your body that can happen sometimes like you know you have like no energy 
you have a can't concentrate on anything you can't eat anything or you're eating too much so it's like it's not only just a depressed mood but it's like every like there's a lot more to it and if it's those if it's like to the point where for example you can't get out of bed in the morning you know and you stop going to work stop going to school classes then i would say uh it's you know it's it's pretty severe and like medications can help at least get you to a point where you can do therapy where you can kind of like process a lot of things that you're going through and like form that connection and maybe like you know develop coping skills because depression is i think it's not gonna go away you know like the thoughts you know like in your anxiety depression those are things that we will face throughout our lives um and like because you take this pill like regular on a regular basis um I mean, it, it can definitely cause remission. It can help you just the pill itself can help many people. And it does, you know, it certainly does. But I think, um, for example, if you want to get off the pill, then, you know, you got to start developing the coping skills and you got to start, you know, figuring out how you're going to manage your depressive episodes when it happens. Um, so I think, and of course, things like bipolar disorder and schizophrenia, I think arguably you have to take medication for those. Um, because they can be devastating, you know, they can be very, you know, you can have dangerous uh, complications of not no treatment. And so there's some, but, but do you have like an idea of like, I kind of saying like things like schizophrenia, like bipolar, like, I was, do you guys have like an idea of like what they are like? But I mean, they're like, you know. Feel free to give quick definitions if you want uh, to I any mean, new like, listeners. When you talk about like bipolar, like, you know, you, you talk about like mania and, and the dip, so up is a mania, right? And depression is when you go down. So if you talk with people, I think with bipolar, um, a lot of people, um, you know, they kind of uh, want to go down this too deep of a rabbit hole here, but let's do it. Like mania, <laughs> like it's kind of like you can call it's associated with elated or it can be irritable mood too, but generally like the classic mania is elated mood. And so you feel great. You know, you feel like you're on top of the world. You start having things like flight of ideas of things that you want to accomplish in this world, grandiose ideas to the point where you can, you know, maybe you know, if you were manic, you know, Jonathan, you might start selling all your cryptocurrency and invest it into some, I don't know, some new silver, form of silver that came out or something, right? Because you think it's a great idea. So it can lead to serious consequences as a result of mania. But actually, uh, the most severe part of bipolar is the depressive episodes that come after because I think about like almost 25% of people who have bipolar actually commit, can commit suicide because of the depressed, the lows of depression are so low from the highs that it can get that bad. And so with that, we have things like lithium, where you, these are called mood stabilizers. There's like things like lithium, um, things like that code. Um, and those will kind of stabilize your mood. And so for something like that, without it, you really have to, you know, with just therapy, you would have to manage your mania, high states and your low states with just a therapist. And I think that's, um, you know, a little, it might be out of the realm of a lot of, um, you know, for just psychotherapy out of the realm for it to really make a, you know, like a meaningful change in those in those mood states and so with for like things like bipolar like you definitely need um for the most part like a mood like a medications 
in a treatment plan to you know be able to manage it. As those things like schizophrenia, like kind of I mentioned the example of you know subway person in New York, they're not able to take care of themselves. Like for the most part, like you know maybe they'll get food in the like in the, in the trash or like a nice vendor will give them food. But for the most part, you know they're on the streets and they kind of don't have a good grasp of reality. And I'm sure like you can imagine they're is completely isolated from their families, right? And so you might, you know, you will need like a, like a medication, like an antipsychotic to help, you know, curb those psychotic uh, symptoms, like delusions, hallucinations, whatever they may be experiencing to allow them to have a more um, organized and like a life that allows them to kind of function in society a little better. Like those two, like, are generally within the realm of severe mental illness. And I will definitely say you need a psych you need to see a psychiatrist to, to manage th those conditions. But going back to just regular major depressive disorder, you can have like mild, moderate, severe, you know, maybe like a mild case, uh, you, you know, you might, you might not need, a, you might not need to see a psychiatrist and just talking to somebody might help you, you know, whether it's even just amongst your friends, like a close social group you have, or whether it's professional help, um, it can you know help alleviate a lot of the symptoms and help you gain a bigger perspective of your own life and help see yourself in a new way, which is what therapy really is really does for you. Like, see, allows you to form a new relationship with yourself and your thoughts and your emotions. Because you know, when we're all you know, when we're in our like you know our day to day lives, we just kind of like run with it, right? You're not really like thinking about like oh, I feel this way today. Oh. Maybe I'll just go to work and like I'll deal with it later, or I'm. You might not be noticing a lot of behaviors that you're doing uh, without somebody kind of looking into you. Um, in that case, uh, like I think therapy obviously helps a lot of people, and I'm good to even just talking with friends. I'll, you know, I think seeking therapy is becoming a lot more normalized, which is good. Uh, there's less and less stigma um, of seeing seeking mental health treatment is great um i mean those are my thoughts on therapy and uh psychiatry i guess the role of medications um and any alternative treatments you know i think like if if it provides if it helps you you know there's not going to be like the placebo controlled double blind studies on like the effects of acupuncture or like reiki mm -hmm. you know but i mean you know like it provides, you know, like kind of the sense of meaning and like something like a treatment coming from outside yourself. Like it can be very powerful for many people. Um, in fact, even in medicine, you can maybe consider placebo as like something like that. Like, and placebo is very effective. It works. Um, and so I think as long as maybe the alternative treatment you're engaging in isn't harmful to yourself physically, <laughs> or like to others or in you know, whatever it is. I mean, I think people should be free to explore and like seek ways of healing in this you know, crazy world that we're living in. I don't know. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. I'm, yeah. I'm just, I, I believe the quick, clar quick clarification between mm -hmm. therapist and psychiatrist is therapists cannot give and prescribe medicine and medication and psychiatrists can. Is there anything else I might be missing or is that? No, I pretty much, so you pretty much got it on the nail. Um, there's therapists, there's, you might see clinical psychologists who do therapy as well. And they do also like, like, psych, like, uh, psych, like um, psychometric testing. They're kind of the expertise on those. 
but psychiatrists, at least in the United States, are the only ones able to prescribe medicine because they go to medical school, they have a license to practice medicine, and so they prescribe medications. Yeah. Curious. Do do psychiatrists also perform therapeutic practices, or do they partner with a therapist and then? So that vast, work? yeah, vast majority of psychiatrists will partner with a therapist or a psychologist. So psychiatrists will do generally medication management, while the others do therapy, but. If you ever see, you know, the psychiatrists in Manhattan, there's a lot of uh, therapy only practices that are out there. So you can definitely do one or the other. Yeah. Amazing. Sorry, that was a very long winded discussion about things I met Dude. <laughs> in this field, but Chum, that's the point I didn't do it justice, <laughs> but yeah. That's perfect. That's great. <laughs> that's the point of the podcast, Chum. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. It really well, is. People are always like, oh, I've, I've just been talking about myself. And we're like, yeah, you're the guest on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, I think I've always never been like um, one to like wanna, I don't know, like talking about myself. And like, it's not something you do on a, only in like, I guess like you in an interview, you're like prepping for it and stuff. But like, in general, like, you're not, like, um, talking about, like, oh, this is who I am, and, like, which brings up an interesting point, like, I think maybe, like, for me personally, I don't do enough, like, self-reflecting, like, why, you know, like, I, you know, like, sometimes it's just, like, I'm doing this, I have, like, ideas in my head, but I'm not, like, really, like, articulating it down, like, um, or what, where do I see myself in, like, 10 years or something, like, if you were to ask me that, then I would be, like, oh, like, you hear it's not really like concrete I have general ideas Chom, Chom would be like yeah I'd be an outpatient at like, <laughs> like blah 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 <laughs> like but I mean just even just like who am I you know like what was my past like um I think yeah these things you know like it's common to talk about obviously in therapy but like even just for with yourself like you know just to like reflect on a journey to stay just me reflecting back on this trip like you know what I mean like I haven't to be honest I haven't re really reflected back on this trip you know it's just like oh I ate a lot of food I went to a museum went to the top of the Rockefeller Center like <laughs> like oh what, what did I learn about New York City like I didn't think about that you know like like really deeply or like what did I think about like how do I do I see myself in a big urban city like this like you know questions I haven't really thought about but it's okay. You can you can reflect later. There's always time. Always time yeah. to reflect. Yeah. There really is. But while we have you, let's reflect on some other things that might be more interesting, such as huh? what are your thoughts as currently the most well-read in the room on these subjects, mm -hmm. the state of the mental health of the United States and or larger scaled and how we are treating certain things. Well, I think the biggest issue is um, there just aren't enough mental health professionals in America. Maybe not in New York City, but in like the vast, in like just everywhere else outside of like LA, San Francisco, like the big city. You know? In fact, in like, you know, places like Bakersfield or Fresno, um, there might be a, a waiting list of months, like, you know, like a month, like two, three months to meet a psychiatrist. Really? That's a long no time. Yeah. That's a long time for someone to be debilitated and depressed and or sick. So, so I mean, it's always a challenge when we, um, you know, when somebody comes into the hospital and they find out they need like psychiatry, 
like like a you know being to see a psychiatrist or going to a psychiatric hospital like there's you have to wait and there's like you have to hold him in the hospital for a while like while there's a bed clearing up or you have to or while there's an appointment coming up that's cleared uh i mean it's an you know fortunately uh, psychiatry is getting more and more popular uh, it's like more in demand especially in medical students um like look i'm in psychiatry you know like it's like a field that's like becoming more and more um like i guess attractive um i guess like you know kind of like things we talked about before like the stigma of mental health is decreasing like you have like celebrities talking about mental health like we're talking more about mental health so it's like something that's becoming more and more like accept like you know unfortunately like acceptable you know which unfortunately like you know it's it's a problem that's plagued our entire history as humans you know even Aristotle and the early Greeks were like talking about mental illnesses mm. and it's still here to this day, you know? Um, I mean, I think that's like the biggest um, problem I would say. I think something else that kind of comes in, in my head is like, this, especially in maybe in psychiatry uh, specifically, I don't know much about therapy, but in psychiatry, it's like, like just kind of like prescribing only and just like not really connecting with the patient. like. Secure, like you know, like not really like because you hear like really bad experiences of unfortunately, you know, patients who've seen a psychiatrist maybe and like kind of like, oh, he's just a pill pusher, you know, she's a pill pusher, like and then you get really turned off by it, you know. I think everyone wants to be heard, especially in like in you know, of all places like psychiatry, you want to go into like someone's office and like be comfortable and be you know, you want to talk to someone who's open, like someone who's willing to take you in, you know. And I think that's a problem, not just in psychiatry, but like, I think it's critical in psychiatry to address that issue. Um, which honestly just comes down to like, do you like how much like empathy? Uh, well, you know, like I talk about like, maybe they don't care about as much about the patient, but so much of it is also burnout. There's like a lot of burnout in medicine too. Like, you know, like a lot of many physicians, they feel like they're just a cog in the system. Um, they can't like practice the way they, they want to, kind of dictated by insurance companies, and so you get burnt out. And so like you know you don't have you like you like have enough to give to your patients who come in, and so like you know it's common to see like for example maybe in like primary like internal medicine like you'll see a doctor like oh just take take this and go kind of, I think that's a common experience we may all possibly all of us have maybe experienced I don't know, uh, but it's unfortunate that it also happens in psychiatry too, but. Um, and to be honest, I guess I could go to any field, any, any like field that you work with, where you work with people, you know, so I don't want to like blame, you know, no one's, to, no one's to blame, I guess, but everyone's, best, but I think those, I, at least for me, I hope I, I'm, I, you know, have, you know, when I see patients that I can, you know, I can be that person for them, you know. That's, that's my hope. I think if someone who's brave enough to come into the office, it's like, you know, wow, it's like, wow, you made it here, you know? It's like, just coming in is like a huge accomplishment, <laughs> you know? Seeing a therapist is like a huge accomplishment. And it's like, fight in mental health, rather than like, obviously if you're sick and you gotta like, you know, oh, I have a rash, I'll go to see a doctor. It's not like that hard. Depressed or something, or if you're really anxious about something or, you know, you're like, oh, should I see a therapist? Like, you think about it, you like rationalize it. 
let's look at how much it costs, you know, let's uh, do the pros and cons of this, you know, people kind of like really like, you know, there's a lot of things I think we naturally go through to seek mental health treatment. And hopefully in the future, um, you know, it's a lot more, um, more psychiatrists out there, more mental health professionals out there that are more accessible. Um, and, you know, it can be like part of like your general, like medical, you know, treatment or like your medical, like, you know, when you check in, you know. Dude, no surprise that you rocked all your interviews, by the way. Uh, I'm not sure about that, but. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're probably fighting for Chum. I am not sure about that. In <laughs> fact, I was extremely nervous during all my interviews. And I can't believe um, <laughs> to accept <laughs> that I was ranked in any of them, but yeah. I believe it. I was like, of course. Oh, dude. man. Yeah, that was a very stressful time. I think just the interviews are very like, um, like this interview is like very, like it's very um, casual. So it's like, I don't, I didn't really feel nervous, but like, I think for any like a job interview, it's like yeah. so much pressure, you know? Yeah. And you put yourself in a lot of pressure too. Like I have to get this, like, you know? Yeah. Like I won't really want this job or I have to get this job. And it's like, every word matters and you start overthinking everything. And it's like. <laughs> also, also to get to where you are, you have to do every single step of the way there well enough mm -hmm. like you have to go to college it's like okay we'll go to college sure but you have to do well in college you have to have the right grades and the right classes and you have to be sure that you want it and then you see that like 80 percent of everyone else is dropping out mm -hmm. and then after that you have to do like the right fellowships and you need the right like letters and the right like mentors mm -hmm. and then you need to apply and then and then like once you're there you have like board exams and then you have rotations and and it's like and you're you're doing night shifts and you're doing 24-hour shifts and you and and then uh you have to get into you have to interview like oh there's a lot yeah oh there certainly is a lot but i think um yeah, no, I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of things that like, you know, even you, you know, you've heard about all these things, like the, these different hurdles, but it's like, it's still, you know, at the end of the day, I think in America, um, getting in is probably maybe the hardest part. Like once you get in, also, I mean, once you get in and you like survive through it, you pass, you have to at least, well, these days you can pass, um, but before you still had to get like a certain score on your, like, it's called like USMLE steps, like, um, residency see want you to see like a certain amount certain number for them to interview you but there are also plenty of people who i know like who scored lower than like maybe what you know you're supposed to get but then you know like any good program looks at your applicant like application like holistically and so they see like your other qualities and like what else have you done like and they still give you an interview and there are many successful physicians out there who you know didn't do per everything perfect and I think no one does everything perfectly, you know? Like there's a cost to doing things like exceptionally well in medicine. You know, like a huge social cost and personal cost. Yeah. Yeah, Chom and I know like one or a few people who were antisocial for, for like a number of years in life. Mm. And I mean, that, that was definitely a cost because, because like people who this person was close to he's just like he didn't see any of them for a number of years because he was like taking the MCAT every single day for a year like a maniac <laughs> like, like 
yeah, I think I think he did well, and like, and I respect it because he wanted it bad enough. Um, but yeah, there's definitely like a consequence to that. But but yeah, I I guess it's competitive. Um, it's like sometimes it's what you got to do to to like stand out. Um, but I will say there is no such thing as a lazy. That's for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, oh, well, I don't know. Like, there may be those lazy after games, <laughs> but I'm yeah. I mean, I'll say to get through med school, like you know, like there's certainly a lot of work, obviously, and um, it's demanding rotations you do. Um, but I think if you're, you know, if you um, build like medicine, though, I think where you can use your, plus, you know, like I think if you really love science, but like you want to apply it in like a well I mean it's meaningful to me like <laughs> apply it in a meaningful way then it's like medicine's a big <laughs> not meaningful for everybody <laughs> Chom uh, we ask all of our guests this question but do you have any parting thoughts any words of wisdom for our five or six listeners oh my god parting thoughts um parting thoughts are I hope that if anyone's listening and I think if you have the idea that, oh, maybe I should see a therapist, then maybe I think you should. <laughs> and there might be maybe things holding you back, but I think, you know, why not if you can? Um, even like, you know, there are ways, even if you have like a, something like Medi-Cal or like not Medi-Cal here, but like a, like a lower income, like health insurance, there's still ways to get it. Maybe more difficult, but I think everyone, um, who has that like thought, oh, it's just, I want to seek help or, and you've been putting it aside, I think, um, you know, maybe I hope that you take the chance to, you know, try to, try to explore that a little more. And like, if anything, you know, explore that a little more, talk about it to somebody else, if anything, a friend, parent, coworker, you know, if, if not getting, you know, if therapist, at least talk about it with someone and, I think uh, you, we all learn so much about ourselves from doing that, you know, and that's, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what else. Yeah. I don't know. Makes a lot of sense. And one final question is, do you have any proactive health, mental health, physical health tips or suggestions for people to possibly impart? Yeah. I mean, you know, something I got to follow too is <laughs> the lowest hanging fruit is maybe like diet and exercise box. So, like that, I think can not only help your mental health, but maybe help eliminate 80 to 90 of conditions that plague our healthcare system in the first place. <laughs> you know, um, it's the lowest hanging fruit, but also the hardest, you know, like it's hard to continually keep a good diet. It's hard to continue exercise. But I think if there's some, um, you know, whether it's uh, anything that you can enjoy that involves exercise or even diet, like if there's some, you know, healthier recipes that maybe you can try learning, like change one little thing, like one, just one meal a day or what, like you just cut sodas out of the, out of your diet. And like the easiest things to do it is the best thing for, they, for just not mental health, but just your life. <laughs> I mean, physical health will, if you have good physical yeah. health, it'll help your mental health. Exactly. Yeah. 
So on top of that, what about for people who have excellent diet and excellent exercise and excellent sleep? What would you recommend? <laughs> then, um, oh, I don't know. Maybe it's time to see it. Maybe it's time to see a therapist or think about, um, you know, maybe like, I don't know, like, do you feel, do you really feel connected with your family or how is, how are things with your family? Like, do you keep in contact with them? Like, are you able to, um, or is there like, are there difficulties there? Like your friends, because we're social creatures and, you know, even if, you, if you're alone and you have the perfect diet and you exercise an amazingly amount in a week, you have the best sleep, you'll still feel very isolated and you might not feel the best. So, yeah. Amazing. You heard it here first. <laughs> what, what is the, it's one of the opening lines of, I think it's like Anna Karenina. It's like all, all, what is it? All happy families are similar, but all unhappy families are different in their own right. Mm. And so uh, everybody, um, I hope you enjoyed this podcast and this episode. Um, it's been really deep and really informative and Chom, can't thank you enough for coming on and spending the time joining oh, us here of course thanks for having me on appreciate hey. it and so with that we've come to uh, the end of another episode of the moon tea podcast the podcast where we talk about craft community and building meaningful careers if you ever have a guest that you'd ever want to refer or suggest to us please reach out or if you want to give us any feedback or just want to send some notes of appreciation you can reach us at moonteapodcast at gmail.com or go to our website, moonteapodcast.com. Well, with that, take it easy and tune in next time. See ya. See you. Peace.